it's great to great to have you with us this morning as we continue in our training series agents of grace and we're looking at a special equipment that we need as agents of grace as disciples of jesus so let's pray as we look at our subject for today heavenly father we ask for the help of the holy spirit lord that we might understand the bible's message its implications for our living and lord our response to you may it be heartfelt may it be a commitment may it be a determination to to love and to follow you lord jesus and we pray for your help for young and old alike in jesus name amen amen great well an agent who's working as a spy or fighting crime needs tools needs equipment and they need to learn to use them well and not just in theory in the classroom but also in practice. Now, what do they say about practice? Practice makes perfect. Now, there's a big difference between the film spy or the, the spy in the book maybe that you read about or on the television program, because as soon as they get a new weapon, as soon as they get a new gadget, they take it out of the box and straight away they're experts at it, aren't they? And then maybe the first or second time they can use it perfectly and, uh, and so on. But really, that's not true. The reality is that each agent has to practice and practice and practice. Each police officer has to practice and practice using their equipment. I found a quote on the Lancashire Constabulary, Constabulary uh, website, and uh, it talks about the, the taser training. And it says this, just as an example, all of our officers selected to use taser, so they have to be special ones, uh, the selected ones to use taser must pass an intensive four-day training course before becoming qualified taser operators. Once qualified, officers must complete an annual one-day refresher course along with personal safety and first aid training. So just to use a taser gun needs a lot of training and update of that training every year. Now, how to use weapons, how to use secret messages. Do you know how to do these things? Do you know how to use Morse code off by heart. If you're an agent, then you'd have to know these things. How would you survive if you're in the jungle on the run from the enemy? What about in the desert or in the cold mountains? Do you know how to parachute jump? What about following an enemy agent? What about surveillance? Could you track someone and be unseen? Now, what about computers and other electronic gadgets? You'll need to learn how to know them, not just a little bit, but really well, you'll need to learn how to memorize long numbers and follow instructions. So to be an agent of grace, it's not easy, is it? To be an ag a special agent, it's not easy. And to be an agent of grace following Jesus, we need to recognize that there's special equipment and we need to learn how to use it and to use it well. Now, all, all the agent training, if you're working for a spy agency or a police force or something like that, takes hours and days of hard training and hard practice. It's not like in the films. And so when it comes to being an agent of grace, thankfully, we don't have that much equipment, although we do need to learn to use it well. We do need to make use of it properly. And that's what we're going to be doing, looking at this morning. Now, the great thing is that we don't have to be clever to be a Christian. We don't have to know the Bible off by heart, all the facts and figures, and be able to answer all the quiz questions. We don't have to be clever in that way. We don't have to have photographic memories or to be super fit or super strong. We could be nine or 99. We could be any age. 
and there's a work for the Lord Jesus that we can do as an agent of grace. So we don't have to be super, we don't have to be super fit, strong, clever, but we must not neglect the special equipment that God gives to us. And there's a verse in the Bible that says that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So God gives us and he gives us the, the basic special equipment and they include prayer and they include the Bible. And any Christian is able to function as an agent of grace anywhere in the world. You could be anywhere in the world as an agent of grace. You can be an effective Christian with prayer and with the Bible. And we can see the importance of prayer. We start with prayer in our passage uh, that we have um, in the Bible before us, Colossians chapter 2. So let's look at prayer for a moment or three. <laughs> now, remember that this is a letter to a church. So the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of people, a church in Colossae. And verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. And then verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you, and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Now we can see here that prayer is powerful and prayer is powerful because it is speaking with God and to God. God is in heaven but by his spirit he's in us and he's with us. So prayer is almost like a satellite phone. We can speak to someone on the other side of the world but it's also a very personal link with the person who's right with you. So God is in heaven but God is with us by his spirit. So it's a very precious and powerful thing is prayer. And it's a very intimate thing, being able to talk to someone who's right with us in our very hearts. Now, Paul writes about the, the praying of a, a fellow called Epaphras, and he describes it as wrestling, working hard for the Christians at Colossae. So he's referring to this man called Epaphras, who's praying a lot for the church, and he describes it as working hard, as wrestling. So as well as prayer being a wonderful amazing thing of talking to God who is with us as well as being a comforting conversation with God who hears us prayer is the way that God has chosen to fulfill many of his plans in the world and so when we pray we are involved in God's plans and purposes in work in that sense now God of course could speak or think the word and all of his plans and purposes for all history would just automatically unfold like you know you 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 press the first domino and the whole row of dom dominoes falls down. God could just say the word and everything would, would come into place automatically. But God has chosen what seems to us a very slow method, a very slow method. We seek God as we talk to him in prayer. We get to know him. We start to pray for things that are in line with his will. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And as we pray, God releases his power and unfolds his plans bit by bit, bit by bit. It can seem very slow. Prayer seems a very slow thing. Getting to talk to God and getting to know him better and so on. It seems very slow. We want things instantly. We want things immediately. But this does at least three things. First of all, we see where God, let's go back a second. Um, there we are. 
First of all, we see where God has answered our prayers because we specifically pray for things and then we see those answers. It's a slow thing. Sometimes the answers take days, weeks, months, years to come. But we can see that after we pray, after we've spoken to God, things happen. It encourages us and it, therefore it helps us to, to, to give him the glory. It helps us to be thankful people. It says in our passage here, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and yeah. thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So it, it means also, secondly, that to it, we don't just um, kind of um, see God's plans unfolding, but it also means that we become an intrinsic part of those plans. So as we pray, we are interacting with God and then God answers our prayers. So we're actually key factor in God unfolding his plans so we're not just seeing God do his work but actually we're part of God doing his work because God is not waiting for us in the sense that he can't do anything without us but God has chosen that he to respond to release his power to unfold his purposes as we pray to him so that's the second amazing thing and the second amazing thing that prayer at least does is that we are changed for the better in the process Prayer is not just about getting results or answers. Prayer is, if you like, learning to trust God. As uh, Drew was saying earlier on, we, we grow to desire and to love what God wants. It's a process of getting to know him, being becoming in line with what he desires and asking God for these things. And so we are transformed by spending time in God's presence, seeking him, speaking to him. So these are at least three amazing things that that why God has chosen that we pray, that we speak to him and that we seek him in that way. So prayer is a privilege to talk to God. It, it is a privilege to be involved in his plans for the world, isn't it? And it's also a privilege to pray for other people, to intercede for other people who maybe haven't yet learned to pray for themselves. They don't yet know God. And also with that, we are changed in the process. We are changed for the better. But there's a sense in which prayer is working with God, as we thought. It's that sense of wrestling in prayer, work in prayer, as Epaphras gave, is the example here in this passage. It's because as we engage our hearts and feel the pains and the needs of others in our world around us, as we feel their heartache, as we see the, the, the needs that are in the world, close to home as well as further afield, and when we respond to those terrible things seeking God, we feel the burdens, we feel the pressures, and we want to talk to God about it. We pray about it. So prayer is not always easy. It's not always a, a nice conversation, is it? It's talking to God about things that are difficult, things in our own, in our own lives and things that are going on uh, in the world around us and in the lives of people that we love. So prayer is also a burdensome thing. It's a wrestling. We wrestle as we see the needs of others around us. Now, so prayer is really engaging with God in these things. And therefore, it's described as work or wrestling. So let's think about it. If a Christian doesn't pray, there's something serious going on there, isn't there? We need to talk to God about these things. If we're not engaging with the, the issues around us, there's something wrong about us, isn't there? We need to, we need to wake up and get, us, get our act together. Now, the Bible doesn't go into prescribing lots of techniques for praying. Basically, we just need to do it, and as often as we can, and make it part and parcel of our everyday lives, like breathing. It's natural for us to breathe, isn't it? I hope it is for you. And so praying, talking to God should become that natural thing that we do. And the more we do it, the better that, that it is. 
Now, I do think we need discipline to pray. We do need to make time to pray. And let's be honest, we usually find time for the things we really want to do. Sometimes we say, oh, I haven't got time to pray. I haven't got time to do this. But if there's something we really want to do, we often make time for it. So we need to assess our priorities. But we don't need to be over-regimented about times to pray. Do it as often as you can. If you can set aside time, a certain time each day, that, that's the best and that's fantastic. But basically, we need to pray. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 18, we see there, uh, talking about the armour of God. And at the end there, verse 18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, long, short, um, quiet, out loud, wherever it might be, however it might be. See, the thing is, we can read lots of books about praying and uh, people can describe lots of techniques about how to pray better. But really, we really pray by really praying. We learn to really pray by really praying. And that's the bottom line, not by endlessly reading books on techniques to improve your prayer life. Let's just start doing it. And prayer is, is part of our work as agents of grace. Praying for ourselves, of course, because we need power and strength to be effective agents of grace. Praying, interceding for others. Praying for situations across the other side of the world. Missionary friends in Africa, in, the cent in Central Asia and many other parts of the world. And we're being part, as we do that, part of what God is doing. We are working with God in these projects and for these people, for the sake of these people in different parts of the world. Paul, the missionary, asked for prayer from the churches, not simply to make him feel good or feel supported, but because prayer is effective. In Romans chapter 15, verse 30, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. So that's an apostle asking the church at Rome to pray for him. Now, there's still an element of mystery to prayer, isn't there? It, it's, it's not like a machine where you put in one prayer and you get an answer out. It's not like, like that. But prayer helps. Prayer empowers. Prayer changes things. Prayer strengthens us. Prayer is effective because we're talking to God, our Heavenly Father, who is almighty. And prayer is part of the special equipment that God gives to us as agents of grace. As James chapter 5, verse 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer, prayer of a righteous person, a Christian person, is powerful and effective. So that brings us on to the next equipment, piece of equipment that God gives to us as agents of grace, and it's the Bible. Verse 3 of our passage in Colossians 4 says this, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, the message is the gospel, the mystery of Christ. Now, where is that now? Where is the gospel message about how Jesus came from heaven to earth to save us from our sins, about how he died on the cross and rose again from the dead? Where is that message? It's described as a mystery because it's something that was unknown until God revealed it. And now we know about it. But where is it? Where do we find it? Where do we find out the message about how we can believe in Jesus and be forgiven for all our sins and be assured of heaven? Where is it? Well, it's written in the Bible. And the Bible is a great tool that God has given to us 
his people. Uh, Epaphras, it says here in verse 12, uh, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Now, how do we know the will of God? You know, Epaphras was praying for the church at Colossae that they would stand firm in all the will of God. Well, where do we find the word of the will of God? Where do we find what God wants for our lives? Well, again, it's in the Bible. And the Bible is part of the special equipment that God has given to us. And then verse 16 says, after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. So we can see that um, there were letters going between the churches written by the apostles. Now, the apostles' letters, as well as Peter's and John's, were, were passed around the churches and read as scripture. This is from the apostles. This is this has authority. This is as from God. And together with the rest of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and Acts and the other letters, the 27 items formed to complete the Bible. And so we can see how the churches grew to know and to love what eventually became the New Testament as the copies were passed around and so on and the churches valued these letters and kept them and made copies of copies of copies of copies and that's how eventually we get the the new testament the whole of the new testament so we can see that here can't we how important it is the bible and in particular here the new testament and then verse six says let your conversation always be full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So this reveals that as agents of grace, we have a message to proclaim and we have answers to give, don't we? Now, where do we all get that from? Again, it's in the Bible. The Bible is important. The Bible is a vital instrument, a vital tool that God has given to us as his people. We don't make things up as we go along. You know, people ask us questions about God. We don't say, well, I think this or I think that or, or, or just dream up an answer. We go to back to what the Bible says. So the Bible is an essential piece of equipment that God has given to us as agents of grace. And the better we know it, the better we know the God who authored it, the better and more effective we will be as agents of grace. There's an old saying, when the Bible's well used, the devil's not amused. And, uh, and that's so true. Uh, and the Bible should be part of our daily diet as agents of grace. It's an essential food. And we eat food every day as, if we can, don't we? Uh, it's our guide to know God's will. It's something that we can use as a map for our lives. It, it shows us how God wants us to live. And it gives us his comfort and his and knowledge about him so that we can get to know God better and better. It's the source for what we believe and what we practice. It's the, the book which we go back to how to help other people who are in need as well with their questions about life, the universe and everything. And we, we go back to the Bible. It's so important for an agent of grace to know the Bible well. Now, there are no rules about how we read our Bibles or how we pray. There's no kind of prescription about, you know, have to do it so many times a day or, or whatever. But, but history and experience shows that the most useful agents of grace are those who do a lot of both. That's the, that's the simple thing. There's no prescription about how, when, um, methodology of reading your Bible or praying. Basically, we just need to do it. I remember when I was a, a boy and uh, my brother, Keith, we, we had a bunk bed and he was up top um, and I was down below. And I remember I was a bit kind of embarrassed, but I remember 
when we went to bed and it was all quiet and so on, and I thought my brother up top was asleep. And I'd sometimes creep outside, creep out of my bed very, very slowly. And then kneel by the side of my bed and pray and talk to God. Because I, I was, I, I don't know, I just felt a bit embarrassed about, about praying. And so I'd wait till it was all dark and I'd creep out of bed. Well, we, we can kneel, we can pray at nighttime in the dark when no one else is listening or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. There's no prescription in the Bible. Just how, how, how we can, how we pray. And, and again, how we read the Bible, there's no exact description of how, we to, how we're to do that. But basically, we just need to do it. Colossians 3 verse 16 said, let the message of Christ, which of course is in the Bible, dwell among you richly. Let it be rich uh, uh, in you. And then chapter 4 verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. Knowing Jesus, knowing his word is essential to faith and to growing in faith. Romans 10 uh, verse 17 that, that tells us that uh, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So we need the message to, for faith to, to be there and for faith to grow, for faith to develop. In the Psalms, there's a big emphasis on regular daily personal prayer and thoughtful reading of the Bible. And we'll come more to that in another session. But it, it's so important, so beneficial for every Christian to, to make some time every day to, to read the Bible and to pray, whether it's just a few verses or several chapters, but to make sure that the Bible is part of our daily diet and that prayer is part of our life too. I remember Edwin Baker, uh, uh, a very elderly man now, uh, somebody, somebody who I trained with when I worked uh, with the Open Air Mission. And he said, he would often say that a daily time reading and praying is praying reading the bible of course and praying is the single most significant factor in any christian's growth a daily time reading the bible and praying is the single most significant factor in any christian's growth and i would bear that out uh, as i see it in the lives of, of of many fellow christians so to sum up so far if we are an established christian if we've been a christian for any length of time now we need a reminder maybe we need a memory booster to to make the bible and prayer a priority in our lives and again we usually make time to do the things we really want to do let the message of christ dwell among you richly and prayer devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful and if we're a new christian then we need to see that prayer and the bible are vital and powerful tools that god has given to us part of the special equipment that god has given to us to grow and to flourish as agents of grace we can't neglect them we need to use them and to get to use them well. Now the third uh, and the last thing uh, of the special equipment that I'm going to mention this morning is fellowship. Fellowship. Uh, I love the uh, description of fellowship if you imagine a whole bunch of fellows in a ship and uh, they're all together and uh, they're kind of bounded by the, 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 the size of the ship and they can't go any further otherwise they'll get very wet uh, and they're on the ship together and they have to work together and they're in close quarters together and they have to uh, learn to live with each other and learn to appreciate each other's skills and abilities. And God has given us fellowship. Sometimes it's a local church fellowship. Of course, it's a worldwide fellowship, but in practice, it's the local church that we deal with most. And, and God has given us this special gift, this special tool for us to live as agents of grace. Now, listen to the words in these following verses. Uh, again, in our passage in Colossians chapter four, listen to following verses that reveal the sense of team or the sense of fellowship. 
chapter four, verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us. And I'm, I'm going to emphasize a few words. Pray for us too. Verse seven. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. And I am sending him to you that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dear brother who is one of you. Verse 10, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus. And it's good to remind ourselves that Paul was writing this from a prison situation, in prison for his faith. He sends you greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. And then verse 12, Epaphras, we mentioned him earlier on, he's always resting in prayer for you, and so on. And then verse 14, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea, and to Nympha and the church in her house. Did you recognise those Wonderful words that emphasise fellowship, that emphasise fellowship. Now, a Christian who knows the Bible and who prays, if they had to, could operate and survive, even if they were the only Christian around, even if they were the only Christian in town. So be encouraged if you are the only Christian in your class at school, or maybe in the whole year, I don't know, hopefully not, or you might be the only Christian in your workplace, or sadly in your family, in your family home. Well, the special equipment of prayer and the Bible is powerful and effective and will help and sustain you, even if you are in a lonely situation in that sense. I remember reading years ago the, the account of a man called Richard Wurmbrandt, and uh, he uh, spent 14 years imprisoned and tortured in Soviet-controlled Eastern Europe in the 1950s, 60s. He was separated from other Christians. He was in solitary confinement for three years without a copy of the Bible, but his memory of the Bible, what the Bible says, the Bible hidden in his heart because he read it a lot before he went into prison and his prayers to the Lord, even in that awful, awful situation, helped to sustain him through incredible pain and incredible loneliness. So it is possible God does come to his people in lonely situations. But we thank the Lord, don't we, that that is not the normal experience of us. For a Christian to be totally isolated is not meant to be the normal experience. And God has given us a fellowship. He's given us, in particular, Fernwood Community Church as a fellowship that we can share in. The normal experience and the way that God has designed us is to be a part of teams, to be part of teams together, to be part of fellowships, to be part of church families. We notice those words, don't we, earlier on? Pray for us. Dear brother and sister, greet the brothers and sisters dear friend, and that the writings of the New Testament are rich with words of fellowship like this. We, we have this special equipment of the Bible and prayer to use as agents of grace, and they are powerful and effective. But we have another part of the special equipment that God gives us to serve powerfully and effectively, and that is you, and you, and you, and you, and everyone who's on Zoom this morning, as well as our fellow Christians that are not on Zoom. Every one of each other is the third factor and the third part of the special equipment that God gives to us as agents of grace. Agents of grace, well, we have special equipment. And the equipment that God gives to us, it's light and versatile. 
We're not bowed down, bowed down with really heavy equipment and lots of it. It's very simple things. Prayer, the Bible and fellowship. And they are very powerful when used correctly. Very powerful indeed. Read and study the Bible. Pray lots. Take all opportunities to meet and encourage each other. Pray for us. Encourage, comfort one another. Strengthen one another. So we have these special gifts. And, you know, God has given us all different characters, different personalities. And God puts local churches together, I believe, with the right mix of gifts and abilities. We're not all the same, are we? We don't all have the same particular strengths. We don't all have the, the same uh, characters, of course. But God has put us together so that with each other and the gift of prayer and the Bible, we can be an effective team together in wonderful, wonderful ways. So let's be encouraged to get back to earnest Bible reading, regular Bible reading and earnest prayer. And let's also remember that God has put us together in a fellowship. Now, we'll look more at these things in later sessions. And we touched on some issues that we're going to expand further. This is a basic training and we're going to be expanding on that as we go through the next few weeks. But I just want to remind you and ask you, what is your personal training goal for this week? Maybe it is to just get back to regular Bible reading. Maybe it is to make that time to spend before God and pray. Maybe it's to make more of the fellowship and to be in touch with one another and think each day, who can I encourage? Who can I send a message to? Who can I send a card to? Who can I phone up? Who can I uh, help this, this week? Maybe that's your personal training goal for this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the equipment that you've given to us. We thank you that it's not complicated. We thank you that we don't have to be clever. We don't have to have photographic memories. We don't have to learn special codes. And we don't have to do things in dark corners. And uh, we don't have to be like a, a, a spy who is being secretive and deceitful. Thank you, Father, that our agency is an agency of grace. And we thank you for the, the simple and yet very powerful tools that you give to us to serve you. Please help us, Lord, to serve you with them, to get to know how to use them and to use them effectively. Lord, for your glory, for the benefit of each other, Lord, because we're in a fellowship and also because we're a part of a world that is lost and needs to know the message about Jesus. So strengthen us as agents of grace with these special tools that you give to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.